The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. So we we have quite a gathering this evening on Tuesday Topics. We have the chair and co-chair, or the co-chairs. Or, uh, or, or the chair of the chair <laughs> of the audio description we'll co-chairs <laughs> project. We, we've negotiated it out, and we're good there. You co-chairs, go right co-chairs. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so, Kim Charlson and Carl Richardson, welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. We also have our president Dan Spoon, who's very been very much involved in the audio description gala. So, Dan, we're glad you could join us. Happy to be here, Paul. Thanks for uh, having me. Excellent. But, da-da, more importantly, we have someone who is probably as responsible as anybody for getting audio descriptions started on television, Mr. Barry Cronin. Welcome, Barry. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. We are overjoyed to have you here, and uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time um, getting to know you a little better, if we could, probably to start with, if that's all right with the group. So, Barry, tell us a little bit about how in the world you ever got involved with audio description. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I've told this story one or two times, but um, I was at uh, WGBH, and uh, uh, one of my responsibilities then was the Caption Center, which uh, was part of my background. And I remember sitting in a uh, staff meeting. Engineer came in and said, uh, this is the 1990s, and it's uh, we've got this new thing happening called stereo television. And we're going to uh, be launching that very soon. And by the way, it has a third audio channel, uh, the separate audio program or SAP channel, uh, and I thought, oh, that's that's cool. What is it going to be used for? And the engineer says, I don't know, uh, it's uh, for a foreign language translation. And that was the end of it. Nobody really talked about it much. Um, but I went home and I was thinking, of course, having worked with people who are hearing impaired uh, and involved with, you know, how can the media uh, help communicate better? And I was thinking, well, what about blind people? Do you folks watch television? I really had no idea. Uh, I went home, closed my eyes, watched uh, uh, a, t- a TV program with my eyes closed and realized how much was missing. Uh, and I remembered uh, growing up in, in the Bronx, New York, in the 50s, bowling was a very popular television program. And in, uh, in the back would be this uh, play by play announcer, the sports announcer, who was called Whispering Joe Wilson. I used to think it was Whispering Smith. <laughs> Whispering Joe Wilson would be behind the bowler and would say, and the bowler gets up and he's taking a five-step approach and describes what was going on. And I thought, well, that could be applied Um we got a grant from Easter Seals Foundation to try it out. We uh, wound up meeting uh, the Washington Year and, and, and uh, Cody and Margaret. Um, 
and Joel and and uh, put together a, a few test programs and uh, amazingly uh, he liked it and uh, that really sparked was the initial spark from our standpoint um, but it was discovering what you folks had already been doing and just kind of giving it a little more push I think Cody and Margaret are the fan steals um, who probably did the first audio description that was widely known in the United States. Um, and, and they did it for the most part for live theater productions and got Joel Snyder, who now uh, works on, on um, ACB's audio description project directly involved um, with their work down in Washington, D.C. He was one of the people who got, I think, conned by the fan steals into becoming uh, directly involved. Um, so that that was exciting. Um, Kim, you had moved to Boston by the time that uh, audio description was, was starting on WGBH. How, how did you first hear about it? Well, I, I had a wonderful experience. Um, my first exposure to um, audio description was hosting a focus group at Perkins um, in a nice living room, style room. It, and then there were about 10 people there. And I got them all to come in because we were going to have an opportunity to, to watch a program that was on tel- from television. It was Mystery from PBS, and yep. it, was, it was going to be accessible and, you know, with description. And, of course, most people had heard of description for live theater, but not, not so many had had a real-life experience being able to go to a play that had live description. It was relatively new. And so the, the folks from WGBH came to Perkins and – I, I know um, that, uh, well, I, I don't know if Barry was there or not. He probably was. This was like eight, nine, 19. I was. I was there. You were there in the room. Yep. I thought you were. Yep. So Kim, do you like remember? Late, it was, it was so raining. It, it, it was. was. I, and I thought no one would show up. We were all drenched, but we came. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you had a. You brought a television and you brought, I think, antennas and, you know, we were poking, pointing them to the window and make, so we would get the signal and, and everything. And we sat down and you turned the program on and there wasn't a sound to be heard in this group of people. And we watched the program with descriptive video service from WGBH. And when it was over, there was silence, and I, I can just imagine that Barry was thinking, oh, my God, they hated it. I mean, there, there was this <laughs> silence when the, when the program ended. And then all of a sudden, about, you know, 10 seconds, we were totally silent. And then we just all started talking at once about how excited we were. And we actually understood what happened and that the end, we knew who did it and we didn't have to make up a story because we knew exactly what happened. And I mean, it was universal excitement and everybody loved it. Um, and it was amazing to be there to, to pilot test probably one of the first um, airing of, of um, description that, that happened in the United States uh, over, over television. So it was, 
incredibly exciting and something I'll always remember as just being one of those pivotal moments. So, Carl, were you were you one of those uh, one of those early adopters of audio description? Uh, mm, not quite, because my vision loss was progressive. I didn't become legally blind till the late nineties. Um, so, no, audio description had been around for a few years on PBS. By the time I started it, working for Larry Goldberg at the Media Access Group, but. Um, the reason why I went to work at WGBH, as my vision loss progressively got worse, I could know I struggled to watch film and television, and I had a good degree in film and television, so I had a love of it, but I lost that love for a short time, and what uh, what audio description did would give me that love back. So it wasn't until I actually started working at WGBH, and I said, hey, I better learn about this, that I became a huge fan and while I was there, they started what was then called the Mopix Project, which would do an audio description to the movie theaters. And we started releasing audio description on DVD. So the one question, if you don't mind, that I would like to, as I'm going to take uh, privilege as co-chair of the audio description project, because Kim and I have seen tremendous amount of explosion and growth in the past few years that we've served on the audio description project. Dr. Cronin, did you and your wildest imagination ever think that this would lead to at least four broadcast networks, six or seven cable channels, if you include all the channels that do it, eight or nine major streaming services, just about every major theatrical release in the movie theater would have audio description. Did you ever think it would lead to all of this? First of all, Carl, my name is Barry. Please use that. Okay. no, um, I have very recently gotten my TVs to be able to get the SAP channel and I have captions and, and, uh, description on. I am seeing this work expand beyond, uh, uh you know, frankly, we just didn't think about it. We were just in the moment, uh, discovering that, uh, uh we can make this work and that people liked it. Uh, to see it come this far uh, is just the best part of everything that's been going on this week. And how did you go about figuring out, because audio description, when you did it with Kim and others, had never been done before. So how did you figure out how to create audio description? Can you tell us? I'm just curious, because I know how audio description is created today, but I'm curious how you created it 40 years, 30-something years ago. Well, our mentors were uh, uh, the Van Steels and Joel uh, Snyder. We uh, uh, basically transcribed uh, the, the script with, with, um, with sound, uh, uh, sound bites so we know exactly how many seconds or, you know, mostly seconds existed between the pause and each um, each of the scenes, and then someone had to look at that, write a description that fit within the amount of time available, select what was the most important, and uh, we brought um, the fan steels in to train a staff uh, that we were able to hire. And they trained our first staff on uh, doing it, but it was uh, uh, 
pretty uh, uh, labor intensive. In fact, when we then went to record it, uh, the first issue that came up was from the unions and the announcers. And we went to uh, speak to the to the sad people and, and uh, um, about this service growing and would we have to uh, continue, you know, use, we used our regular broadcast announcers in the beginning. Interesting. Um, Dan, just, just to complete the, the discussion, um, what, what's your first memory of audio description, perhaps you and Leslie together? Sure, Paul, and, and you may have been part of this as well, but in the early 2000s, uh, the Braille and Talking Book Library in Florida, uh, our colleague Doug Hall called me and said they were opening up a video description club <coughs> at the library that they were going to purchase a lot of VHS tapes from, I think, WGBH. That's correct. Yep. And and for $125, Leslie and I could join the club, and we would get two VHS tapes in a packet in our mail every month from the library. So we jumped on that right away, and it was like – we were talking about this the other day. It was like Christmas coming. So you know, every month, two packets would arrive in the mailbox. They were typically movies that had been you – know, done well at the box office a couple of years earlier and they would arrive and and you know we were in that same boat where we were sitting on the front row and i was whispering to leslie because i had a little bit more vision than she did trying to describe what was going on and we would still miss half of it and uh i'll never forget that one of the first videos we got when we got ghosts and we got uh, Pretty Woman, and when Leslie watched Pretty Woman and, and got to hear it with the audio description and all that she had missed, I, I, I literally, I think we, we watched it five or ten times the first, you know, first week or two. And, and then you had to return them back, and, and you'd get two new ones each month. And that was really our first exposure to be able to listen uh, to an audio-described movie. Uh, it was in our home with our VHS player on our TV, and that it was just transformative, you know, and uh, it, it's, I just want to thank, uh, thank Barry because uh, it's, you know, it's, it's enriched our lives so much. Dan, you yep. don't have to thank me for that because uh, in order to get the, the descriptive video, I got to go to Paramount Studios mm-hmm. and uh, the best part was I got to go to the bridge of Star Trek and meet the Klingons. So oh, that? That for cool. me was the winner. <laughs> for well, sure. That must have been the next generation, right? <laughs> oh no. I, <laughs> this, was, this was the original. Oh yeah. wow. How about you, Paul? Did you have a similar experience with uh, the Brantley no, Talking Book I, Library I, down in Miami or no? I, I I did not use theirs because I was uh-huh. already I was already spending uh-huh. A pretty substantial amount of my spare cash on uh-huh. on uh, VHS tapes that I would buy every year at the convention. So ah. I, I took a suitcase full home every year from the convention. <laughs> yeah, I used to sell those VHS when I worked at GBH. I had to go both to both blindness conventions and yep. sell those tapes. Uh, In fact, that's where year. I first met Carl. 
Yeah, and, probably. And, um, and, and, and uh, gosh, you know, there were so many things that were great. I mean, among other things, we, there were other VHS tapes in our houses, but all of the ones that came from WGBH had a Braille label, so you knew exactly what you were putting on, which was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, um, you know, I, I, I think that, um, I, I think that for me, um, what audio description did was, was it, it made an activity that my family was very much into watching movies, something that I could more fully participate in because I had three kids at the time. And, um, so it was, it was really very cool, uh, when, when, when audio description was around and, uh, made, made a huge difference for me. Um, s- since he's probably still here, Larry, do you want to talk us, talk to us about your initial experience with audio description? I think it was, and I'd heard about it, but I'd never seen it. But I, th- this is around 2000 and Melinda, who was my wife, who I was dating then, when she was still alive, we she she had already been immersed in DVS, and she loved it. And she said, "You got to hear this." I said, "Okay." So that was not the first date, but one of our first dates, and we watched ET, yeah. and I loved that movie. But I learned, I, I you know, I, I kept having to ask friends when I saw it the first time, "What happened? What happened?" And then they would tell me, "No, we weren't in a theater, so I never heard anybody say, Shh, try to watch a movie." Yes. So. At home, you know, we're sitting there on the couch and, and she said, just listen to this. The way they do this, the way they, they, they grab the dialogue and put it in to describe to you. And it was wonderful. I didn't know at that time that, you know, it was scripted, of course, and they were trying to make sure that they didn't let you miss anything else. And that was the first movie I saw and we watched it. I don't know how many times. It was just a tremendous experience. And since then, I've watched a lot of stuff and bought a lot of stuff and I still enjoy it to this day. Excellent. So, I'm, yes, I'm curious, and I've always wanted to ask Barry. The, you know, the the industry must have looked at you like you had three heads when you said you were going to make accessible TV for the blind, and they probably said, "Why would you want to do that?" I'd love to hear some of the stories of some of the obstacles that you had to overcome in those early days to convince people that audio description could really work and that it was something that the blindness community wanted to have? Well, I think you'll be surprised to know we did not get a lot of uh, pushback. Um, And I think a lot of that had to do with uh, uh, closed captioning, that the kind of pushback, I was involved with closed captioning from the beginning. And so I remember going to all the networks then to introduce this, and I got a lot of pushback. But when I came back and said, got something else for you here to talk about, uh, there was was great receptivity and and, uh, uh, willingness to explore. And I think also people were trying to figure out what they were going to do with the SAP channel and is there a way to monetize it or how was it going to really... bring audience, you know, what was it going to be about? And uh, um, as you can, uh, you probably know better than I, it's, it's, uh, it's primarily used for audio description, I believe. Um, and it brings in more audiences for the networks and for the producers, which is what television, you know, what the industry is about. 
Um, but the receptivity was really amazing. Uh, I hadn't thought about it in those terms till you asked that question. So I have I, I have a kind of a related question, and that has to do with uh, the, the fact that you started out with with captioning, which has really become virtually ubiquitous now. I mean, virtually everything now is captioned. Why do you think it's been so much harder uh, for us to sell audio description as 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 a universal requirement rather than getting dribs and drabs added every so often? Uh- well, that, that's a tough one for me to answer because it took a fair while before captioning. When, when captioning was launched or closed captioning was launched, uh, the networks had agreed to something like five hours each a week of programming. Right. Um, and, and, uh, uh, that kind of stayed there until, um, more pressure and, and, uh, uh, the organizations representing those communities yeah. became more organized. Exactly what you're doing now. And, it, and from my perspective, the growth of audio description is monumental to me uh, compared to where we were when we started. Uh, and it's only going to get more. Um, so, now I don't know if you remember when Cold Caption started, but Dynasty for a long time was the only show with captions in prime time, and you could not schedule a meeting within the Daffa Hardy hearing <laughs> on that night. And in those days, the chips inside the TV set didn't turn on captions. You had to go out and buy a $150 box That's to right. hook, hook up to your TV set just to turn on the captions. It wasn't until they passed the circuitry act where they put in a $5 chip and closed caption that that started to become more ubiquitous. But I just remember you would never schedule a meeting the night the captions were on TV because it was the only time the deaf community could watch captions. And I don't mean to distract from audio description, but it, they're going, we're following the same track. When audio description was still on pe- early yep. on in PBS, we would yep. only watch, you know. It's keep, pu- keep pushing it the way you are. Keep it's growing. Just continue to feed it to grow. So, Barry, have you have you worked on captioning ever since you um, and audio description ever since you started, or or did you eventually? And when you left WGBH, uh-huh. did did you go, go to work on other stuff? Uh, when I left WGBH, yes, I, I did work on uh, some new internet development. Uh, I. Um, was in, um, I worked with a company, um, a, a, um, a textbook company that, uh, developed, um, educational programming on, nice. on the internet for kids. Uh, I've, I've been extremely lucky because, uh, my career has evolved been around broadcasting, uh, the media, but it's always somebody has come and said, Hey, what about this idea? Or look at this thing happening. And, you know, uh, off I went. Um, and the, the most blessed part and best part is audio description and, and media access has been the highlight of it. It's the top of the tree. Yep. Very Excellent. 
Barry, the, go ahead. Of, um, you mentioned Paramount earlier, so there, there you were at WGBH and putting it on out on the a public broadcast. But what, what then got you to take the next step and go reach out to the motion picture industry, and and how did how did kind of that relationship evolve? Because that was a huge step forward, I would think. Yeah, and and you're going to have to forgive this 81 year old mind, but I can't recall all the details anymore. Um, but we we had already uh, uh, created uh, uh, NCAM, the National Center for Accessible Media, and one of my board members was a vice president at Paramount, who we had met uh, through our kids. We're in the same school, and just uh, uh, he arranged for me. You know, we he's someone I talked to and said, "Well, you know, this would be great if we can get it on VHS and so on." And, uh, and he said, "Well, I'll set you up with a meeting," and he did. Um, and uh, he also knew I liked Star Trek, so he set the other thing up as well. Yeah. Uh, but they were very receptive. The, the one. Big concern was a legal concern when the describers start reading credits. And I suspect this is still an issue today. But one of the first movies we worked on was Top Gun. Yep. And it had a credit list of somewhere around 800 people. We were required to read every, every title. And we had to, and the reason why we produced our own audio, uh, I mean, uh, uh, video boxes was because we had to physically add additional tape to cover the time it took to write, to read the credits at the end of the movie. Oh, well. Oh. Yeah. So you had your own copyright um, and we couldn't, we couldn't sell it for less than what they were selling. You had to map their price, whatever no, they were selling. Yeah. I didn't make the deals. Uh, uh, I, I I have no knowledge of what what the business deal was. That's interesting. That's so you, you had yep. to, you had to create your own yep. your own VHS box to store the tape with it. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm one of the people who actually enjoys listening to credits at the end of movies. I don't think there are very many people, and, and I, I would say, but I would say that nowadays. Um, more often than not, the credits, certainly on the stuff that I've seen in movie theaters, um, the credits the credits are not read. I would agree. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree. And, and we, um, in the audio description project, we, we have advocated and continue to advocate with a lot of the um, studios that, in fact, we would like to hear the credits. Right. We would especially like to hear who produced the description and who narrated the description. Right. And sometimes that isn't included either. And I think that is extremely important because it allows us as consumers to give feedback on quality of description. If, if, we, if we can't identify who it was, all we can say is the, the X movie or the Q movie or whatever um, we can't even identify who who the description company was that was hired to describe it. So it makes it 
challenging for um, us as consumers to give that feedback that I think is really important. Yeah, the movie like, companies. Don't, sorry, go go ahead, um, Mr. Richard. Uh, go ahead, Dan. Oh, well, I'm, my, I'm sorry. My I was question just was: as I, as a consumer, can I go to the you know turn on my internet browser and say all all programs? Give me a list of them, all the programs that are audio described, uh, and who di- who did it? Is that uh, you cannot database available? Um, no, I don't. I don't think that is. I mean, the, the audio description project, as you may know, we have a website, adp.acb.org, and we keep track of what titles are audio described. And we have a search feature on our website that you can plug in a, a film title and it will come back and tell you if it's available on YouTube, you know, on, on iTunes or um, HBO Max or whatever streaming service might carry it, or it's on DVD. Um, so it'll give you all the options for where it can be obtained if yeah. it's available. And there's about 7,000 titles um, with audio description on our current list. But to, to the best of my knowledge, we can't say, you know, who who described X movie and get any kind of you know, results back from Google or whoever on who did it or who the narrator was or who the company was that produced the description. It, it might be, uh, it probably is in the print credits, but, right. you know, most of us don't have somebody there to no, read the print it is credits. Not in the, it is not in the print credits. So it's not in the print credits either. And you do no. have somebody you've asked yeah. that question of. Because so. it's always done in post-production after the movie is completely finished. They get uh-huh. the final... I get the final cut. So yeah. I want to um, gently disagree with Miss um, Kim, a co-chair, and and to disagree uh, interestingly because one of the things that's not available on the internet and really isn't available on the audio description, the ADP page either, is information uh, from the company that started it all. Um, PBS. I, I, you, do, you won't find me disagreeing with you there. Um, and this is a really so uh, so. You question. know, I, maybe Mr. Cronin has has an idea for us, Mr. <laughs> or, or, or <laughs> about about what we can do because we cannot get uh, PBS to tell us what they're audio describing, uh, when it's going to be broadcast, uh, or or. or or get any regularly available information that we can use so our folks will know when to look for audio-described programming on PBS. And the other networks and, and uh, agencies give you that information free. Yeah. Yes. The, other informa- the, the other networks are, are essentially <clears throat> required to do it, and they do. It's, it's quite a, a puzzlement to, to know where audio description started and in the current situation we find ourselves in today, which is we have very little, if any, program information that we can put on our weekly and daily schedules of audio described content that we put on our website. We, we do not have anything from PBS. And we just passed a resolution um, at our national convention of the American Council of the Blind um, in July to, you know, that's going to PBS saying, 
you know, we, we basically want this information and we don't understand why PBS isn't providing it for us so that we can provide it to the rest of the blind community. And, and, and they of course, not they responded at all, or they give you some response. They have not responded yet, but in all fairness, we just finalized our resolutions, and Carl and I have on our to-do list to draft the cover letter and get it sent to PBS so that they will see our resolution, and we we certainly hope they will respond in a in a positive way and start to provide us with program information. So. What they say, what they say, essentially, though, just just to be clear, is that is that the decisions about what programming to carry now resides entirely with the local carriers, and and is no longer is is no longer primarily controlled by the network, and so different regional carriers will be carrying different programs, so that they claim they can't make available. Um, any kind of a schedule that would that would apply except in a particular region um, which is which is not okay with us <laughs> but if they gave you i'm I'm just curious if they give my questions if they're sure but if if they will give you each of the air you know the the country in five packages or whatever uh e- you can display it that way. I mean, you can, you can, uh, sure we can. We would, we would be overjoyed if they do that. You know, I'm, a, I'm in New England. I'm not yeah. going to look at California's programming anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm saying we'd be overjoyed. I guess I should really ask our, our, I think we would be overjoyed if they did that. Oh, okay. Then, then yeah. Would, would, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree, Carl? And, and Kim? Yes, I, I would agree. We would be happy if they did that. But yeah, we, we'd but be we're, overjoyed. We're working on it, and this will be a high priority for the audio nice. description project moving forward, now that the resolution oh. passed. We're in the process right. of creating the letter. I can't so imagine wants, they would, they would yeah. not comply. So who wants to start talking about the audio description gala? <laughs> I, I do have one question for Barry, though, and, and that, this will lead into it. I think is <laughs> Go Barry the, the the name of the award is is going to be called the Barry. And did you receive your Barry? And could you audio describe it for us? Uh, but I haven't received it. Yet. You haven't received oh, it yet. No. Oh no! <laughs> oh, I've been checking, but so I cannot. <laughs> okay, it hasn't arrived yet. Oh gosh! All right. Well, it should be there any day, right, Nia? <laughs> yes, we, I. We, we tried I heard... to plan so you would have it this week. So yeah, are still a couple days. Yeah, well, we got a couple the of gala, days. So yeah, but, absolutely. But, but I think it, things are slower in delivery these days. They, they are. surely are. Yes, I ordered yeah. something for overnight, and it came two days later. So, Miss yes. <laughs> wow. Kim, are you going to start? Well, yes. I what I want to talk about first and foremost right now are the awards themselves, and then we'll sort of back our way into the how do you watch the gala and that kind of thing. Because uh-huh. um, one of the reasons that that um, Barry is with us this evening, besides the fact that we've <laughs> 
named our award after him and the Barry to, to recognize and honor him for his contribution to audio description in media is that um, one of the categories that we can talk about tonight is the audio description visionary award category. And I don't think you're all going to be very surprised to know that we're honoring Dr. Barry Cronin as our audio description visionary, because without his foresight and vision into how to make television accessible, we wouldn't be here today because he really is the the spark that made it all possible. And, and who knew, um, you know, 30 years later where we would be. And, and we often grumble about we're not far enough along, but it's always good, I think, to take a look back at where we were and where we started to kind of remember and celebrate. And I think that's a lot of what the Barry and the Audio Description Awards Gala is all about, to, to honor Barry, to recognize where we've come, and to honor a visionary who's made a, such a contribution to the field of blindness and visual impairment as far as access to media and television, something that I think many people with visual impairments ever thought they would enjoy again. So you've brought back so much joy and pleasure and entertainment to so many people. And our work hopefully is to just to continue to grow it and introduce more blind people to audio description so that they can have the benefits that are there every day. So it's a huge thank you to you, Barry, for, you know, again, having the vision to to look beyond what might have been thought of as not possible at the time and really exercising your creative innovation and spirit and making it all happen. So thank you to you. And it's a pleasure to be able to be recognizing you on Thursday evening for the uh, Visionary Award. Um, thank you, Kim. Uh, um, it's I who should be awarding you folks because I got to work with you all and, and uh, <laughs> I got to be there when we lit the candle, perhaps. But you have made the fire and, and uh, uh, just keep going. But thank you so, so much. Thank you. Very good. All right. Great. And, and so, just, just to add to that, I mean, my wife, and I'm taking my wife out for her birthday this weekend, and we're going to the movie. Nice. As, and, and that's because of the foresight and the vision that Barry had. So, I mean, we wouldn't be able to go to the movies and just have a date just without the audio description. So that 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 says it all right there. Mm-hmm. And I, and I remember um, way back in, in the middle 1980s going to um, Paramount Studios out in um, Hollywood along with um, Mitch Pomerantz and uh, I, I think um, Oral Miller um, and, 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 you know, having huge promises made uh, about what the, the motion picture industry was going to do as soon as the new channels became available um, on and as soon as it it became possible to 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 get audio description more widespread but the truth is um there was a, a long transition period where um where the the 
most of the audio description that most of us got was from DBS tapes that were produced by WGBH. Um, and, and the, the, the truth is it's really only after legislation, which, which we kind of encouraged strongly to happen, um, that we're now at a place where, where it doesn't really matter what theater you go to. The probability is that the movie you want to see is going to be described um, and and available in a in a screening format that you can use. Uh, now we just got to figure out how to how to make make those materials be as widely available as they are in theaters to be that widely available on the internet as well. So that's I guess our next one of our next activities really. And it's the advancement of technology. Yep. That has made it when we went from analog, meaning real to real film, to digital, then it became relatively easy for the theater to provide audio description and also then share those files when they go to broadcast and streaming. I, so the technology, the CVAAA and the Department of Justice guidelines for movie theaters and our conversion to digital all kind of happened all at once. And, and and made it so it is. So now there's really no excuses anymore now that things are digital because it's just yeah. a matter of moving assets around. And we just have to convince the, all the providers to talk to each other to share the assets. And yeah. that's our next biggest challenge. Yeah, that's excellent. All going, right. back to, going back to the award, Gail, I'm sorry. Not, yep. What do you want to talk about, Mr. Carl? So a lot of that, we we can't talk about the award winners yet because it's not public, and I can't even remember who they were, were to be honest with you, but a lot of the award winners will be names you recognize from streaming, broadcast, and it's a culmination of the work that the ACB consumers have done in the 10 years. But the, the awardees, you'll see a consistent theme. You'll see a theme of provide an excellent towards audio description and a commitment to provide an audio description. And that's what we're hoping other providers and other media folks that may or may not be watching this get. I mean, we are doing, Jennifer Flat doing an amazing job marketing this beyond that of the blindness community. It was the mention of it in Reuters and Variety and, and other mainstream. Kurt Warner, the former uh, St. Louis uh, Ram quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback, will be um, honoring audio description. And we're hoping that this event will be our first annual event with many to come, where we bring audio description out of the niche of just only some of the blind community knowing about it to more blind and visually impaired and perhaps other disabilities to other people who could benefit, such as people on the spectrum, people with cognitive and hidden or intellectual disabilities, to uh, people like my wife who are just doing the dishes and maybe could ask their A-lady device too. So we're hoping that this gala will help us promote the benefit and the necessity for audio description further. And I think this is a good first step. So the the primary objective then is to ex- extend the publicity because I was going to say every year at our convention uh, the audio description project gives out a series of awards to 
um, to, to a range of folks who are active in audio description. Some of the, you know, my question was going to be, what, why do we need to extend beyond the convention and, and do an audio gala? Tell well, them we can promote it. Yeah, yeah. well, it's, it's absolutely promoting it, but the Audio Description Awards Gala was, is really intended to promote it to industry, to the media industry, and get them to see what's being done by others, to see the recognition that we're giving to those leading organizations, companies, um, broadcast services, the people we're going to honor on Thursday night. And we want all of industry, the entertainment industry, to see who's being honored because next year, maybe it can be one of them. And we're already starting to see a buzz happening within industry about the gala, about companies coming to us and saying, how can we be a bigger part of it next year? Um, so we're seeing that, that awareness exciting. is growing, and that is hugely exciting oh, because so. industry is where it's going to happen. And if we can make them want to make it happen, then, you know, th- we'll be so much more successful in what we're trying to do because they're part of it. And I think it's working, and I'm just so excited about it. We want Are we going to... We want media to think it was their idea to do the audio description, not (laughs) the audio description. We we don't mind letting them think that. And it's (laughs) fine with me, you know. (laughs) What about about samples? Are you actually going to be able to show some samples of audio description Mm. on Thursday? Yes. Yes. Every, um, Every one of the major industry award winners will have a clip of, you know, they they were able to select their their own clip of what they felt was just a really excellent example of something that they have created. So they um, worked with our producer, um, Doug Rowland, who is an mm-hmm. um, Oscar nominated um, pr- film producer. And he, nice. he has done the work for the gala and put it together. Um, he understands accessibility and I'll let Carl kind of explain the why behind Doug and what he has accomplished and, and why he's so well-known. So Doug Rowland worked with the Helen Keller National Center to do a movie about a deafblind. The story was about a movie about a deafblind individual who had Usher syndrome, so the individual was profoundly deaf and, and, and blind. And Doug did a short movie on that individual, and I, I forgive me, I can't remember the name of it right now, but he used an actual deafblind actor, and the short film was both audio described and captioned, and also nominated for a best sh- film short, and he got to go to the Academy Awards, and to my knowledge, it's the first time a deafblind person was ever in the audience with uh, Doug just in case they won. And so because of Doug Rowland's commitment toward portraying people with disabilities in a positive light and understanding audio description and captioning and how to tell a story, he was hired to help produce and direct this gala. Excellent. Now, you don't have to tell us, you guys, who wins the awards, but can you tell us what some of the awards are for? 
Yes, um, we can do that. Um, there, there are basically like awards in, I don't know if I have the list, but Dan and Carl can help me as well. Um, innovation, there's um, a, an audio description um, international award because there is a lot of description happening in other parts of the globe. Um, and we're, we're recognizing that as well because so some of our award winners are doing work in multiple languages, which is amazing. That is amazing. That, that, um, to, to see the description that's happening in other languages as well. Um, and one of our uh, planning committee members, we have a whole team that was a planning committee specifically for this event, but um, Maria Diaz from DeCapta, which is an organization that produces captioning and audio description in Spanish for primarily education materials, but they hope that that expands into mainstream media as well. Um, and she's on our committee, and that helps us to emphasize the, the diversity of audio description and where we want to see that go when those opportunities expand. Um, but what one might be winning an award for, say, something done for the first time this year or last year. Uh, one might be winning an award for how audio description would you to... Uh, you know, I don't want to say too much, but so are you giving? Yeah, are you giving an award to audio description scriptwriters? No, so because of the uh, that'll probably happen next year, where we we got to come up with award criteria and selection this year because we we put together this. It'll be high quality, but we put together the show and the history. We decided to honor those who have broken a lot of ground and done quality audio description. And then we think next year we might give award to scriptwriters, editors, yeah. voice, voice talent, voicers, right? Best, best, uh, maybe you know, best audio described action movie. I don't know. We haven't fully worked out the details. But that'll be something we'll be starting early in the new year to develop a more robust um, uh, award criteria. Nice. So, Dan Spoon, why why did ACB want to get involved with an audio description project activity like this one? Is Dan with us or muted or did we lose you? I think I'm about ready to be there. unmuted. Uh, there there you go. Back. Yes, I, you sound um, much better when you're not Yes, mute. thank you. <laughs> thank you, Kim. <laughs> uh, well, I, I really believe, um, you know, ACB is, is, is truly, um, I believe, that the premier uh, chief influencer for the blind and low vision community in the area of audio description. Uh, back to even your administration, Paul, right. and beyond, it's something that we've really taken so seriously. Because yeah, I don't, I don't really, think there's any doubt about that. Yeah. ACB is is probably um, the 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 recognized, certainly the recognized consumer entity with regard to audio description, but probably the the recognized entity. Period. I don't think there's a better website for audio description than ours. No, I mean, if you put audio description in your Google search, it, co- it, it ends up with 
you know, uh, acb.adp.org. I mean, that that's how uh, it's it's the first return on the no, search. Let's, let, let's yeah. be careful in case some of our people try to do that. So it's acb.org slash ADP. Well, they actually changed it. So I'll let Kim. They, they, oh, no. They have, they have oh, changed God. the URL. That, that, oh, that no. URL we have to step in and correct there. everybody. Yes. It is ADP. Dot org. Oh, see, I transposed them. See, thank you, guys. Okay, no, so but, ADP. But you are closer to being right than I was. You guys can't go changing <laughs> things without telling me. But, but acb.org slash ADP will still get you there. It's, it'll, it's, it'll, it'll redirect yeah. correct. Yeah, but, but, but the correct one, let's just be clear, is adp.acb.org. Correct. Nice. That is correct. and That's very cool. And so I think, it, you know, it, it was really important uh, as this kind of idea germinated that ACB really take a leading role in taking that first step to create a gala. And it's something that didn't exist out there. It's something that our leadership team board talked about. And really, you know, it was an opportunity for, for, for the American Council of Blind to take that next step and really uh, embrace audio description and be on the cutting edge. And I'm really proud of the work that uh, Eric Bridges and Tony Stevens, Jennifer Flat, uh, and all those on the staff have put you know a lot of hours into to doing this for the first time. And we're seeming to do a lot of for the first times here lately. You know, we had our our, our first virtual convention and our first virtual. Uh, DC leadership conference and legislative seminar, and now our first uh, AD awards gala. But it is really, I think, a credit to how strong the ADP committee is, and how hard they work, and the work of our staff. And it's been, it's been exciting to see all these leaders come together. You know, Paul. Gosh, you don't have to go back more than four or five years, and it was hard to get the attention of it, it you know, a, a charter spectrum or yeah. a, a, a a Netflix or, or or an Amazon. And now, I don't know if you remember, but we had a primetime show at our convention the first Monday night that Carl Richardson emceed, where we had the eight largest streaming services in the world all participate and glad to be there and we had a two-hour conversation about audio description with them yeah. so it, it was amazing it yep. really was it just it, it just warms my heart i have a big smile on my face of just gonna, how far we've come yeah rumor has it that more streaming services in the new year will be launching with audio description and this gala will make people want to be a part of the audio description and make it more mainstream. I truly do believe that. I, I, I can't, but, and I, who'd have thought that our first ever gala would premiere on a mainstream media service such as Peacock. I mean, that, that tells you, and it's going to air with open captions and open audio description. That, that's just unbelievable. How cool is that? Yeah. So, Tell us a little bit about what Peacock is. Okay, so Peacock is a streaming service uh, owned by Comcast, NBC Universal, and they are one of the newer players in the field of streaming services who have just recently started 
do an audio description. It is both a paid, well, it depends. There are multiple tiers. It's a free service to a point, and then it can also be a paid tier. But they have some audio described uh, content on there as well. And Thomas Lakowski, who many of you know and is a huge supporter of audio description. And Barry, was Thomas Lakowski at WGBH when you started? Yes. When you were there? Okay, so he's now Vice President of Accessibility at Comcast, and he has agreed to help us um, stream this on Peacock Live, and you can do that on your internet, on your iPhone, uh, on your browser, or your streaming devices, depending on your preferred choice. And the cool thing about it is, if you miss it on Thursday Live, of course, everybody's going to watch it live. I even told my wife she can't do anything on Thursday night, but watch it with me. Um, if you miss it, Peacock will have it archived on their service until December 31st, so that you'll have a chance to, along with watching it on uh, ACB Media 6, I believe, and mm-hmm. at the award gala, uh, uh, awardsgala.org website, but I'm more excited about the fact that it's going to air on a mainstream device and a lot of people who knew nothing about audio description. This will be a chance to educate them and perhaps uh, open it up to other people. Yeah, that's that's pretty exciting. Um, while we're talking about Peacock, when, when Tom was at our convention this summer, uh, Peacock was essentially just launching, and at that time, they really had no audio description content. Um, they now have some. Oh yeah, they do, and, yes. and I, I don't happen to remember any of the titles, but you can go to the um, ADP website, which we mentioned previously, mm-hmm. and they'll show you a list. And I know that I was playing with it the other day because I was trying to figure out Peacock so I can watch it. You and I did it on my Amazon Fire Stick. I was able to enact uh, the audio description on a couple of shows. So yes, they absolutely do have streaming. I wouldn't say they have a lot, but they have um, they have some. Excellent. And, and you don't have to have a subscription to Peacock to watch the gala on Peacock. It, right. is, nice. it is free. My, it is on demand. Right. Um, you can find it in the section where. Um, think they said something about news it was going to be in the news section and if you do if i understand and if you do a search and type in audio description this will pop up so but how how would if people wanted to watch it does do any of the three of you have an idea of exactly what the steps one would go to to enable let's assume somebody doesn't have peacock on on their on their system at the moment well, you could also watch it through your browser on your TV, I mean, on your computer. Yep. Um, or I, I would, if you don't feel comfortable watching it on a streaming device or your smart television or the Internet, um, Peacock, you could also go to org and simply click play on that, and that'll nice. play. Nice. Or for those who don't necessarily need the video, um, you could listen to it on ATB Media 6. So it, you'll have multiple ways to uh, so be able to watch this. AD Awards, no hyphens, just AD, mm-hmm. A-W-A-R-D-S. Yep, with an S. Yeah, awards yep. is yep. plural. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Excellent. <clears throat> 
that is excellent. All right. Um, what else do you guys want to talk tell, tell us about the gala? What time is it on Thursday, and how long will it last? It is at 7.30 um, p.m. It's going to last um, not quite 90 minutes, maybe 80 minutes. Um, we haven't gotten the final time yet on exactly how long, but it's right in that ballpark. Um, and I'm going to let Dan talk about the pre-show kinds of activities um, and the post-show because um, those are important events. It's going to be a full evening of celebrating audio description. Mr. Dan. Well, thank you, Paul and Kim. Uh, yes, we're going to this, – this first kind of is broadcast on uh, ACB Media 6 – so from 5 to 7, we will replay the Sunday edition show hosted by Anthony Corona that aired this last Sunday. And that will be on from 5 to 7. And then uh, we had Jennifer Flat on and Tony Stevens, well, along with Kim and Carl, to talk about audio description with Anthony. And then at 7, there will be a pre-show where we'll you know get some different clips and highlights kind of for the show leading up to the then the gala at 7.30. And then after the gala at 9 o'clock, we're going to have a wrap-up party uh, where we will be kind of simulcasting on ACB Media and Zoom as well as ACB Club, uh, which is part of the Clubhouse platform. So all that will be going on at nine o'clock with a wrap up where the community can call in and share their highlights, what they enjoyed about the gala. We're hoping to have some of the gala committee uh, be there to talk about their experiences. Uh, And then again, as we said, the actual show, uh, the gala will be on 730 live on uh, adawardsgala.org and also on the Peacock platform so those are all the ways you can uh, consume it uh tomorrow night uh we are going to also have an audio description uh program on featuring performing arts museums and parks and that community event is going to be at nine o'clock hosted by sheila young who's the chair of the uh audio description uh, subcommittee for performing arts museums and parks and she's going to have several guests on as well to talk about those venues so uh you know that and i believe that will be streamed on acb media five so and there's going to be a lot of going on yeah carl i also wanted to say that this gala would have not happened with, without the work and dedication of a lot of people which include the committee members of the audio description project and i'm not going to name them all because i don't want to forget anybody but they all know who they are and i want to thank everybody who was involved in that i will name a few people who are key people on the uh audio description project jolene bailey page who was our adp coordinator who kind of keeps all of us all the trains running and the the clock tuned up on time and, and just make sure all the subcommittees are working and hitting their objective uh, Fred Brack, our webmaster, who does a tremendous job of maintaining the Audio Description Project website, and Dr. Joel Snyder, who started the Audio Description Project along with Kim and Paul and others, you know, who um, who is now a, a founder and senior consultant. And then we have several people on the award gala planning committee, uh, you know, 
Tony Stevens, Jennifer Flatt, Maria Victoria Diaz, Will Butler, Joe Strache, um, uh, John Kavanaugh from Bridge Multimedia, which, Barry, I believe you are one of the co-founders of Bridge Multimedia, which does a lot with children's programming and audio description. Angela Ball from NBC Universal, which is one of the reasons we're able to put this on Peacock, along with help us uh, acquire some of the talent to do some of the award presentation. So there were many, many people involved in this gala. Um, it was all hands on deck. And I just want to make sure that all those people get recognized and acknowledged as well. So the, the, the ACB people that we've talked about, I think most people would know um, that Eric Bridges is our executive director. Tony mm-hmm. Stevens is our kind of director of resource development. And Jennifer Flatt, who is not perhaps as well known to folks as she should be, is our new communications director. And by the way, it is my hope to have uh, Jennifer uh, on Tuesday topics two weeks from tonight. So um, that that is the plan. So she'll have time to recover after the uh, the audio description gala, and uh, and hopefully can be on Tuesday topics two weeks from tonight. So excellent. All right. Um, what else should we talk about with regard to the gala, you guys? Oh, I think Kim should tell us a little bit about the host, uh, Thomas Reed. He's a really cool dude. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Kim. He he certainly is. And um, Thomas is not a stranger to ACB. He's an active member in Pennsylvania and PCB. And Thomas has um, his own podcast called um, Read My Mind Radio. Um, and Reed is his last name, R-E-I-D, so he's creative in his naming of Read My Mind Radio, um, and his podcast features people of color in, in and the intersectionality of disability, um, diversity, inclusion. He talks about just living with blindness and other types of disabilities, and he, he has a ongoing theme throughout all of his shows that he brings back periodically, which is um, Flip the Script. Yes, Flip. He calls it Flip the Script on Audio Description. And he'll he'll bring up things about audio description that, you know, those of us who have been sort of mainstreaming haven't necessarily thought about. And he gets us to think about things like description of race audio description of race. How should you do it? Does the community want to know that there are people of color on the stage in the film? You know, I think the answer to that question is yes. We want to know what a sighted person sees. And that's the fundamental principle of audio description is to tell us what's there. Because I think all of us get a lot of satisfaction of knowing perhaps that that there's somebody who we can relate to on that screen either they're a person of color or a woman or a person with a disability on screen it it i think we would like to know that there's an actor that has a disability if they're in a play because it it brings that closer to us and there's that connection so 
um, Thomas has really done a lot in that area to heighten awareness and and bring out some of the the aspects of description that may not always be thought about, perhaps in in casting your audio describer, i.e. not, well, both the writer of the description, but also the voice of the description. And if you have a movie that has, you know, basically 100% people of color, do you want to have a person of color be the voice of the show? Um, and and <laughs> Thomas really brought that home with um, Black Panther. The, yes, the Black Panther movie. Um, the voice, well, the describer had a beautiful voice, and it was a British you, voice. Yeah. But I'm 99.9% certain it was not a person of color voice <laughs> so you know um and i think that matters and and thomas makes us understand why it matters the other um, thing that's cool about thomas is he is also a blind voice narrator he's done a number of shows now he, his work is on netflix and other streaming services so he not only is a consumer and an advocate, he is also a blind person who works in, an, in the industry itself. And that's kind of cool, too. It, it is kind of cool. But since we're talking about podcasts, Mr. Richardson, sir, why don't you tell folks a little about Picture This? Well, there are. OK, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, Picture This is, is um, a podcast that my colleague and co-host Brian Charlton and I have come up with where we talk about um, different areas of audio description, anything from the streaming services to audio description. of uh, We did one yesterday that got released yesterday on the audio description of video children's books or the Describe Caption Media Project. So that, um, And we try to do two a month, uh, sometimes we're very successful at that, and sometimes we need a little work, but we try to do two a month. And if you have any topics, we'd love it if you sent us an email at picturethis.audiodescription at gmail.com. Uh, there's also a podcast by a well-known voice talent, Roy Samuelson, also known as the voice of Hollywood. He has a podcast called Know Your Narrators, where he interviews narrators and editors. Uh, and, and so the at least three good podcasts, Read My Mind Radio, Picture This, and Know Your Narrator, that I'll talk about the world of audio description. And the different, and each podcast lends a unique and different perspective. So I would say that all three of them. And there, there, are, actually, there are actually a few more, but I can't remember the exact well, titles. The, I know there's, not, there's not a traditional audio. There's also one called, um, what's the one that J.J. Hunt and Christine Mallet do? Talk Description to Me. Right. Talk description to me where Christine Malik, one of the co-hosts, is blind and she'll say to JJ, I wonder what space looks like or the moon looks like or car wash looks like or, you know, they choose nice. a different topic every week. And JJ will uh, do some research and audio describe it for the audience so that they have more contextual uh, awareness of what's going on around them. You know, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot it's a cool of fun. Idea. It's, it's, uh, 
it's more detailed and it's not traditional audio description, but it is description um, delving into something that somebody might be interested in knowing about. I would that, call it like the Mars Rover or something right. like yeah. that. You know, I would call it cool. audio. I would call it an audio description uh, form of journalism, if you will. Well, it's okay. a, it's the audio description of things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. So, and that's a good podcast. Um, yeah. To to as well. Excellent. And and all of these are available on on all of your podcast providers. So, um, it it I hope some of you will will jump on the bandwagon and listen right. to some of these podcasts. There was um, a, I hope, there was I a hope. segment at the um, ADP conference back in July that was specifically on um, all of these podcasts and all of the hosts were part of it and they got to talk about their podcast and how they got started. So, And is that, that up is on in, the website? Now, it is. It is. It is in nice. the audio description track of the 2021 convention. Um, and you can get access to that and listen to the that program. It was very good. And, and yeah, actually, and the hope, Monday night streaming program is there too, is it not? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It is. That, that was yeah. my favorite one, actually. But, yeah. Uh, I, also <laughs> I wonder love, why. Yeah, yes. I, because I'm a big fan of streaming services, although exactly. I, did particularly, I did particularly like the MC. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say to Barry, uh, stay tuned for an invitation to be on the picture of this podcast. <laughs> okay. Nice. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Um, With your Barry right. Award in hand. So. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'm a little worried. I'm going to find out about shipping for for, Bar- so. for Barry's Barry here. So, oh, yeah. Once I get Barry's it, Barry I'm not go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> so if it's, if it's okay with you guys, in about uh, 30 seconds or a minute, um, I'm going to start recognizing hands that are raised. Um, and it doesn't, your questions don't necessarily have to relate to, um, to the, the gala, though we, we'd love to have some feedback on the gala if you're minded to give us some. But, uh, but you know, you have the opportunity to talk to these four folks and, um, you can you can really raise whatever questions you're minded to raise. So um, I don't know if Rick is doing hand raising at this point, but Rick, if you are, do we have? I any? am, and there's no hands up at the moment, Paul. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, That's if a- anybody, well, well uh, you know, all we got to do is say that, and some someone pops up with their hand. So hold on, just one sec here. And I'd love to hear more questions directed toward Barry so I can learn more about the history of audio description. Exactly. Me too. Me too. Phone phone number ending in 406, please. Hi, this is Lisa. Can you repeat that website slower um, that you said that you could put in a request to ask for something to be described? um, That you can make a request? Oh, you're talking about the the, the podcast, the uh, talk to me podcast kim can you can you do that um is is that what you're wanting to to know the yeah. website for talk to me talk, talk description to, to me the the well, new um, there's the podcast talk to me and then there's also something you said if you had any requests to, for something you wanted described audio described well um 
not aware of that, but I, I would highly recommend Be My Eyes if you wanted, you know, they'd oh, yeah, be happy yeah. to no, describe anything. You're talking about a film. So, I, but I, but I, what, there, what there is available, and you probably are aware of this, there's a, a search box on the Audio Description Project website where you can type in a title of a movie. Um, and and the oh, search yeah. results will come back and tell you if it's on DVD or on a streaming service. Um, and that's right on the main page at adp.acb.org. No, but I took the question that to mean, can she give recommendation to talk description of me on what things in society? That's what I thought, too. Right. So um, I... I would Google talk description to me and I believe their contact information will come up and they're pretty good about um, accepting ideas from the community. So just Google talk description to me and then. So that's T-A-L-K, then the word description, T-O-M-E, all one word with nothing Mm -hmm. in between and see what happens. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, that. And um, yeah, great, great classes. And just to make sure I have it right, ADP is um, Audio Description and P for Program? Project. Project. Audio Description Project. ADP.acb.org. Yeah, Yeah, I just want to make sure that all my, Uh sometimes I can't hear right or there's noise around me. Thank you so much. Thanks for your call, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Yep. Thank you for your email. I got it today. Oh, Kim, nice. that's you. Yes. Oh, that's good, me. Good, yes, good. it is. <laughs> oh, my God. You have no idea. This is, yeah, if anybody out there has Blue Stream, it's, it's very frustrating. And I'm, I'm, I've called them on the phone today and nobody's gotten back to me yet. I keep trying. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do some research because it was a new service for both Carl and myself. We weren't familiar with it. So um, it might be more regional. And since Carl and I are in New England, we didn't have experience with it. But we'll look into it and, you know, I'll be in touch with you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank I, you. Yeah, I'm telling you, these are great calls. And I'm so looking forward to the awards, Gala. Thank great. you. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Mr. Rick? Phone number ending in 640, please. Uh, hi, Betty Passanante from, from Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Hey, Betty. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, um, my pet peeve. Mm-hmm. First, it, before the TV went digital, there was a SAP button. You pressed the SAP button, and you got an audio-described <laughs> show. Wasn't that lovely? <laughs> that changed with the, when digital came in. Now you've got to go to the menu, which may or may not be accessible to you and all of that. And the other thing is, they still have this, this channel associated with the Spanish broadcast. Now, I'm glad there are foreign language Spanish broadcasts. I happen to speak Spanish. But I don't always want to listen to a game or a soap opera or something <laughs> in Spanish. And you sacri- and, be- and when you have the thing on, you know, when you have the thing set for description, unfortunately, you, you have to, at least on my, with my files, I have to do it by expressing Spanish as a language preference. And you get Spanish when you don't want it, and not description sometimes. Mm-hmm. What? Why is that? What can be done about it? Is anybody working on that? So, it is our hope that we're going to re, uh, revamp. We've learned a lot of things since the passage of the CVAA back in 2010. And mm-hmm. it's our hope that... Uh, ACB, along with other disability stakeholders, such as 
um, telecommunication for the deaf and association of late deafness and NAB, National Association for the Deaf and other organizations and other blindness organizations that we're going to put together a new set of requirements and hopefully uh, ask the legislature to vote on that. And that'll be one of the things we hopefully address because with with analog, you were limited by how many uh, channels you could put. But with digital, there's no reason why we can't, just like with the streaming services, why they can't separate them all out and have uh, the Spanish not compete with the audio description. So, again, I think it is a problem that technology will solve, but we just probably have to mandate it, unfortunately. And, Betty, the the, the answer probably is that there won't be a solution for it in the short run. Yeah. But I, I do think in in the long run, we will correct it. And there's also some changes coming to the standards that are way beyond my understanding. Yeah, AS, they call it AST 3.0, which is it's, yeah. the television guidelines. And, and I haven't even figured them out yet. They're, there are new guidelines for broadcasting that are that are going to be coming into effect in the next year or so, I think. And there is much more room within this new standard for separate channels for audio description and different languages. They yeah, won't be on the same channel. Yeah, so to minimum speak, anymore. twelve channels, I believe. Right. So, yeah. And, and and Betty, the other yeah. the other comment I'd make to you is that. Um, if the process that you have to undergo um, yeah. to get audio description to work is cumbersome and not easy, you have the right to file a complaint against your character with the carrier with the Federal Communications Commission and should do it. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, I've found that when I filed a complaint over this issue um, last year, um, a, I got called back immediately from the office of the president of um, DirecTV, um, and B, they very quickly did actually come up with a fix that only works sometimes, but a fix nevertheless that <laughs> took it from nine keystrokes to get audio description turned on down to two. Okay, but it doesn't work all the time. But well, it doesn't work all the time. But the fact is. But the fact is, if you continue to complain, if it's if right. it's problematic, they're going to be much more likely to fix it. So I would urge okay, you to right. do that. I hope you guys from yeah. audio description agree with that. Oh, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And I also <laughs> I also like Dan's solution when he was having problems with um, getting audio description turned on and off for very similar reasons. Yep. What did you do, Dan? You got a new TV, right? I did. I got a smart TV, which has right. solved 99% of my problems. And it's, right. I, I, I got to tell you, Betty, think about getting into the streaming world because it is so easy. With a smart TV, you literally turn it on and you say, open Netflix or open yep. Amazon yep. Prime, and you yep. say, play Virgin River or play, and, you know, right. whatever, and boom, you are listening to audio description. It's and, amazing. and the amazing thing is, the amazing thing is that the the really good TVs um, 
with with all the features that Dan's talking about aren't expensive. When I had to relocate to Jacksonville, I bought a TV for $229 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a, a 43-inch TV. Wow, and okay, right. And lets me and, and lets me do anything that I want to. I I am part of that unplugged generation, so I don't have cable anymore. Um, oh right. And and I'm I'm entirely using various streaming services and and local channels with an antenna. So um, yeah, I just, the, the, the TV I, sort of does the streaming for you. You just tell what you want. And that's correct. And, that. and the nice thing is that. Right. Um, A-L-E-X-A is built in. The A-Lady is built in. So right. you can also play music and, and you can also have her do a, a lot of the work for you. So all of the commands are issued by voice. Yeah, I mean, I, one, one time you do have to, you know, subscribe to Netflix or, you know, and, yeah, you yeah. Do. but once that's set up one time <laughs> and the audio description settings are turned on, it, right. it stays there. You never have to touch it. It doesn't have again. to be a Fire TV. I have a LG television set, right? Which has acceptable menus and talking menus yeah. and all yeah. the apps. And I, since I bought the TV set, oh, probably six months ago, I don't think I've turned on my Fire TV stick or my Apple TV stick. Right. Yeah. Because I can do I have a Toshiba. Yeah. I love it. Navigate in the menu. And once you subscribe to the various set up that way too. Miss Betty, thank you very much for your yes. call. Yes, you bet. Thank you for your uh, thank you for Paul, taking the time. Thank you. Thank Bye. you, Betty. A quick question for Barry before our next caller, and, and that is, Barry, I, I know that WGBH won an Emmy for their work in this area. Do you have any background or on that? Were uh, you yes. there? Were you oh, yes. still there? Oh yeah. I, I, I would love something. to hear what it was like to get an Emmy. If you wouldn't mind sharing that for audio description, that got to be well, amazing. It is really cool. Um, we uh, you know, the, the Emmy was awarded at um, the there's a separate uh, night for the technology awards, mm-hmm. uh, and this was the the night for the technology awards. I got to give the acceptance speech for it, um, and uh, Laurie Everett, who uh, was kind of number two there. Uh, we took it took it home. As a matter of fact, I I, I flew home and it had to go through the uh, X ray. Yep. And he's calling the, the X ray guard is calling people over, and uh, I'm thinking, oh, I'm in trouble. And it was no oh, congratulations. They applauded me as I went through. It. I had no idea. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, I went to a, a, a meeting with uh, a potential. Um, uh, supporter and and uh, they wanted me to unpack it and show it it was kind of cool uh but then we sent it around to every pbs station that participated in the initial uh broadcast of descriptive video and every station got to display it for a week and then they moved it on oh and that's cool kind of like taking the know? stanley cup on the road how huh? you got the emmy went on the road i love yep. it yep. Yep. You, you um, didn't pour beer all over the emmy no, I got to, I, I got to uh, get a picture of me with it and and put it on my uh, mantle for uh, a night, and it was great. But the best part was seeing it travel around the country. Yeah, and I and when I was when I for the short time I worked at WGVH, it was in the uh, MCAM conference room. Nice. 
Nice. Yeah. That's excellent. And I'm sure it's still there in the Mr. building. Mr. Rick. It better be. Uh, it better, it better be. be. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No more hands at the moment. If anybody wants to uh, ask a question, uh, Alt-Y on the PC, Star 9 on your phone. And if, you're, uh, if you've got a smartphone app, there's a uh, so, raise hand button. I would love to ask Barry a question. So you said recently you just got a TV set where you turned down the SAP. What dramatic difference or changes have you seen since the audio description that was created 30 years ago to what you're seeing now? Well, that's a good question because I remember when we started, we had endless uh, discussions, arguments even, over how we communicate emotion. And uh, initially we would talk about, well, we would not try and, and, and interpret. We would simply say, he raised his eyebrow. And... Um, Ultimately, you would determine that, oh, that must mean he's confused or he's unhappy or some kind of emotional response. And we, we argued that around and around. And, and now, um, I, I see a, a lot more, um, description of the emotion itself, which I think is, is absolutely great. Um, so I think. The, the description has become uh, more holistic, more uh, just improved, which is what one would expect. It, 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 uh, it fills the spot. Great. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's that does... great, great to hear. And the, the one thing that I have heard people say is, but don't tell us how to feel. Let, let us make those decisions for ourselves. Tell us, you know, enough so we know, but don't, don't, you know, come to conclusions for us because that's not what description is. And, and that's I think those the principles, yeah, those principles are still strong. I think that the creators of description believe that, which is good. The biggest difference I've seen is they now know what not to describe. So for instance, if I left the room by slamming the door, they don't want to, they might not say, he slammed the door as he's leaving the <laughs> yes. room. I would just slam the door and then they would say, he leaves the room. You know what I mean? So they, they, or they don't say, Carl fired the gun. They say, you know, um, yeah. Carl, you know, so they've learned, they've learned now what not to describe as the field of audio description has evolved over the years. That, big and 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 they've learned to um figure out in the past 30 years there's less room for audio description because shots used to be longer and there used to be more time so they've learned how to be more distinct quickly and use more of an, an economy of words i've um I, i've learned something tonight so uh, i i i didn't know what raising eyebrows was supposed to connote so <laughs> well i'm not sure <laughs> so, confusion it can be uh, multiple things actually yes yeah, so, but but um but you know when they used to say he raises his eyebrows uh, i just used to say well okay so what <laughs> so 
for me, it would, you know, I guess, I, I guess part of the point that I'm making is there, are, there, there are two classes of folks that the much smaller classes, the class I'm in, who have really never experienced vision. Um, and what that means is when, when you say something like he raised his eyebrows, that really doesn't have very much context for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So interesting. Mr. Rick, any hands? No, sir, Paul. Um, so Barry, my, my, my question to you in terms of uh, er- earlier efforts at audio description is what made you guys decide to go beyond doing programming and make, make the decision to start going into the business of making um, available um, DVS tapes with audio description on them? Well, I think the reason we went in that direction was because the audience asked for it uh, mm-hmm. and there was no one else to do it. Uh, yep. we, we already had the contacts uh, through our broadcast uh, and our networks with all of these producers. And, and uh, you know, I can pick up the phone and say, I'm from WGBH. Can I come have an appointment? And you generally got it. You know, they knew so that made it easier for us to knock on the door. There was no technology that allowed the description to be, uh, you know, uh, just added into the technology at the time uh, on on the cassettes, you know, those old VHS cassettes. So um, I don't think we came up with the idea. I think when I went and, and we presented that uh, to Paramount and, and the uh, other studios, they said, yeah, we'll let you do it, but you got to do it or something like that. You know, but, uh, there wasn't a master plan. We just kind of kept moving. <laughs> well, and what's nice now is in those days, you needed to buy separate media to get it. And what what's cool now is we're seeing the concept of audio description be put into universal design right. and that I don't have to buy a separate DVD. I don't have to subscribe to a separate streaming service. I don't have to watch a different television show. I can watch the same thing and do the same thing as everybody else and pay the same amount of money without doing quote the blindness discount quote to act as or, the audio or, you know. or the blinder blindness extra charge as it was then. Yeah, that, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. The, it's nice now that and it's nice that while the broadcast industry is still doing it because of Mandate the movie theaters, the DVDs, and the streaming services are not mandated to provide audio description. The theaters are only provided to pu- to do the equipment. They're not provided to play the movies with it. So the studios are doing that on their own. They're doing it on their own, putting it on DVDs, and all the streaming services are doing it on the. I mean, we may have encouraged them to do it through advocacy and other means. <laughs> but overall, they're doing it without mandates being put in place, and that's very exciting. That is. And, and I, I want to say there's still a lot of people out there who have VHS players and, and still play the audio-described um, VHS movies because all you had to do was pop them in and push this play button, 
and they would go. And I remember those days. And in fact, I was just telling Dan last week that um, a library in the U.S. was um, deaccessioning, which means weeding out their audio described VHS collection. And they were going to throw it in the trash. And I just said, no, you can't do that. No, no, send it to me. So stay tuned after the gala, because (laughs) I will be telling people who have VHS players how they can perhaps get some free VHS audio described videotapes that are coming my way because I couldn't say no. I just didn't want to see them end up in a, in a dumpster. They were too valuable to me. And I know they mean a lot to a lot of other people too. And Kim, I think I have about 250. I'll donate to you. Oh, good. Mm, Thank you. I just need this. (laughs) (laughs) It's just another little job for you, Miss Kim. That's right. (laughs) And I had a question for some advice from, Barry, because he he kind of blazed the trail in so many areas. Right now, I see that one of the next frontiers, Barry, is audio books. And why not, you know, and and they deal with publishers and the literary business and and, in that area um, of media. But I, I feel more and more that the sighted community would embrace uh, audio books, uh, not audio, but beyond audio books, would, adre- would really uh, enjoy audio movies and audio television shows if they were marketed in the same manner as audio books. And well, yeah. how do you hit that? That's a whole different industry than, than film and, and broadcast. But it seems like if we could ever make that connection, there's a there's a whole new market there for that service. Mr. Barry, any well, thoughts? That's, <laughs> that that that's an interesting question, a tough one, which uh, uh, makes it a challenge, of course. But uh, um, I think there's something there, and it, it have have anybody tried and presented? You know, like we did at, at Perkins School, uh, do a trial, see what you know, find out what that audience would respond. What works? I've always thought that um, that Sirius XM is the place that we ought to be trying to market that. Then, yeah, I, um, them audio, Audible. I mean, it just seems like there is. Um, you know, we know a lot of people informally do it, just like people uh, watch captioning at, sure. at bars or noise, noisy uh, areas to know what's going on on, on shows. I believe um, there's a lot of people out there with sight that put on their audio description and they're, you know, cleaning the dishes or, you yeah. know, riding down the, you know, the, the road or they're jogging with their, with their iPhone. I, I believe that you know it's it's all informal right now, but I believe there's there's a would be a real demand for that, just like there is for audio books. I think well, there could the, be. At the very least, it's worth an initial test of the idea. That's yeah, that's, yeah. That's really where you'll get the best information. It is. So, <laughs> Barry, we. Were you still at WGBH when the, the, the transition from VHS tape to DVDs started? No. 
No. I was. Um, that's when that I was there when that started happening. When we well, started so getting rid of the catalog. So you can you can answer my question then. So that, was a was a decision made at WGBH that essentially um, trying trying to market DVDs simply didn't make sense. Trying to mar- so what are you saying? Trying to market DVDs? Yeah. So, from, from WGBH no, I got as opposed it. I got to it. The, yeah. So we actually owned the audio described VHS concept. We had to negotiate right. separate rights with all the studios and their warehouse the VHS cassette, distribute them, sell them, maintain a phone line, a catalog, all those right. things. Even in the best of terms, it never broke even in the best right. of terms. Right. So when when the studio started carrying audio description on DVD, we didn't have to create our own DVD. They were doing it. So why market it? Um, uh, I think that was their perspective. I wasn't involved in that side of the business, but I think that was their perspective. Why do we need to market something that the studios are already marketing on their own? It's their own DVDs, and people can just go to Best Buy and buy them. They don't have to go to WGBH yeah. to buy the cassette. And I think that was the the logic behind that. It's my it's my perception, and and maybe maybe you guys from audio description can help me with this, and and, and uh, maybe Barry can too. But it's my perception that blind people have not really adopted DVDs. I, I would agree with that because of the, until recently, it was difficult to navigate the menus, right? And now we have some accessible DVD players with talking remote where you can just hit a language button on your remote, which will automatically change between all the tracks while you're playing the movie. So it's gotten easier, but I think it's overwhelming and confusing if you are blind and you don't necessarily live with a sighted spouse or a sighted partner or a sighted family member who can navigate the menu. I think it can be overwhelming. I, I would definitely agree. And at the Perkins Braille and Talking Book Library, way back, you know, when DVDs started being available with dis- description tracks, you know, I had to make the decision. And it's always been a hard one for me whether I was going to buy those DVDs and make them available on loan, but I had to do something to inform people. And so each of them has a sticker on it that says that this this DVD may require sighted assistance to begin. And right. I've had to put in our policy that, you know, it, the while, um, you know, we offer all, all audio described DVD titles from our, through our library and, and many borrowers do use them. It's not by any means as many as I think would if it was easier. I do agree that I think the people who are using it are either playing them in a computer or they have sighted family to assist them in playing them right. because of the whole no, no navigation for the tracks to reach the audio description and start it independently. Guys, we've, now, got, we've, we've got a hand up here, guys. If and you now want. DVDs are starting to die, Paul. Slowly, uh, but- yeah. I bet that's right. Uh, I bet that's right, Carl. Thank you for that. Um, yes. Mr. Rick. Yeah, phone number ending in 689, please. Good evening. Can you guys hear me okay? We can. Hi, Shirley. Hey, thank you. Um, hi, this is Shirley. And I really didn't 
have a question, but when you weren't getting questions, I decided I'd call and at least maybe make a couple comments. And um, first of all, I'd really like to uh, thank Barry Cronin uh, from the bottom of my heart because, boy, I tell you, um, audio description has meant so much to me through the years. Um, I mean, I know we've been involved since uh, Mary Watkins was at WGBH, and I can remember the, you know, when we first had the opportunity, um, you know, when they first decided the FCC or whatever that we were going to have audio description, and then, of course, they, they, you know, took the mandates away, and then we got it back, but, you know, the first time through, uh, I got our local cable company to, um, offer it, you know, put it on many of our channels. And I can remember Mary Watkins speaking at an ACB, um, you know, convention and uh, actually giving me a little bit of recognition. And that was, you know, it was quite a surprise. I really, you know, I just loved being able to communicate with her and everybody that's been involved with this through the whole time. I really want to commend all of you who've been working so hard to keep this project going. Um, I do hope that something can be done to, you know, separate some of this SAP stuff off because I know that uh, there's one soap opera, for instance, um, that uh, Anthony Corona, you know, has been trying to get a couple of the soap operas described. And one of them, they do um, Spanish on SAP. So it's going to be very interesting when some of these programs that have Spanish and they decide they want to do audio description, you know, which one's going to win? Which one are we going to get? It's, there shouldn't have to be that choice because from what I understand, um, you know, there are enough, um, the word I want to use is not coming to me. I don't want to say channels, but there are, you know, um, enough uh, venues available that we should be able to, you know, choose one or the other. So. I certainly uh, hope that some of this will be resolved and, uh, you know, we'll be able to have both of these available. Fingers but, uh, crossed. It's going to get, yeah, it's gonna get yeah. a little more complicated before it gets easier is the bottom line, I think. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I have no doubt. And I guess the only other comment I, I would like to make in, in terms of what I'd like to see, it would certainly be nice if – Sometimes, you know, if these people, even the ones that are reading uh, the descriptions, whether it's movies or TV shows or whatever, it would really be nice to know who's actually doing the description. Um, You know, because I think a lot of us who listen to these programs quite a bit, uh, you know, you hear the same voices over and over again. And in a couple of instances, I know who they are, but. Sometimes it would be nice to be able to to hear a name. Um, it's it's you know, interesting. It depends, a lot, it. it depends a lot on who's producing it. All of the WGBH folks identify themselves when 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 they're doing TV shows. I think. Yeah, and that's right. what does. I know Disney now does. They didn't for Disney Plus didn't for a short while. They do, but sometimes. You may hear three minutes of silence before you've got to stay to the very, very end because they don't always announce the, the, uh, the name of the company and the voice talent until after the credits roll. 
And so, but I don't uh, think it's on any of the networks, is it? On any of the uh, network TBS, TV shows? No. I think no. CBS does it. CBS, CBS was. Oh. And yeah. CBS. I thought CBS okay. does it. Like if you watch uh, Blue Bloods, I think they C- used to say. CBS, who, who, CBS yeah. does it if WGBH produces WGH, it. That's, it, that's right. That's right. They, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that, that's something we're aware of. And, and, and hopefully, um, you know, the guidelines are evolving, but hopefully that'll become a standard. It may take a while, though. It's not going to happen yeah. overnight. So Shirley is uh, one of our folks who's in Ohio and in Florida. She gets an opportunity to experience two different TV systems. Yes, and the thing that amazes me is I still have friends who are visually impaired who don't want the description, and I can't understand that one. I just can't. You know, they just uh, I was at somebody's house the other day, and they said, there's just too much. They just talk too much. I just don't want to hear all that. I just can't get that into my head. I mean, I guess sometimes a little less would be okay, but I'd rather have a little too much <laughs> than not have it. I agree so, with that. Thanks very much for anyway, your call, Anyway, thank you so much. Uh-huh. Excellent. Thank um, you. So, Barry, I guess another question for for you is, have have you any thoughts about what you think the future is likely to hold from your vast experience working in various elements of uh, of media? Uh, well, the one thing we can be sure of is that technology will change, and it yes. will continue to change. Uh, yep. Um, and I think things will become more automated somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never thought speech recognition would work. It does. Uh, to a point. Um, uh-huh. So I think the technology, uh, I, I'm just absolutely so thrilled to um, to have seen and see more and more of the work you folks are doing and, and uh, the amount of description that's going on. Uh, and that's just going to grow. And it's going to grow because you keep the pressure up and because the demand will continue to increase. And as you find value for other uh, other groups. The way captioning was sold to the networks and require and went to uh, everybody uh, or on all programs is because it's not just it was not sold to the, the government as simply serving hearing impaired, although we're talking millions, but it served people who are learning English as a second language. Um, Are there other values to description? And if there are, then you need to play them up, expand on that. Interesting. Do do you guys think there are other values that we should be focusing on? Absolutely, I do. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, you know, why couldn't you use audio descriptions for those on the spectrum who don't know how to interpret the environment around them? And the audio description helped them to do that. Why couldn't Fair you? Fair enough. Good point, Carl. An- you know, another like thought? You said you don't know what raise your eyebrows is. Well, if you don't, yeah. neither do some, some people on the spectrum. Or oh, I suspect that's or, right. Yep. Or um, my mother, God bless her, it had dementia. 
I don't know that you necessarily know what's going on, uh, but maybe the audio description would help. I, I truly do believe that at some point, as audio description gets bigger, we'll have to figure out a way to work and collaborate with other stakeholders to advocate for more audio description. Kim, any, any thoughts from you in terms of in terms of other intersections? Well, and I think we talked we touched on it briefly, and I think I think there are more people than we believe are out there who who use the audio description in ways we might not have thought of, and that could just be you know busy people fixing dinner or watching the kids, but they've got the TV on, and but they're not in the room. Um, and I think I think there we've always thought that wouldn't you know the the commuting market be uh, just right. a no brainer mm-hmm. for yep. for audio described content, and I still think that it really is. Um, and you know, hopefully, a Netflix or one of the streaming services will do a pilot of some kind just to to test it because I think. I think there's a market there that is is being totally overlooked right now. And, and you you asked uh, Barry about technology. There are two areas that I see we will be hearing more about, and one is somewhat of a divider within the blindness community, and that's the use of text-to-speech, because there are some who feel that will give us access to back catalogs and stuff. I don't necessarily feel that as a deafblind person. I don't know that you have to, in my opinion, I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody else. I don't know that you have to uh, uh, suffer from quality to get quantity. But tech-to-speech is coming, and we have to figure out a way to work with our stakeholders to have quality audio description if we use tech-to-speech. The other area I see technology changing is how to figure out how to watch audio description within mixed audiences. For instance, if you're watching it with a sighted person. So I see eventually some companies experimenting with Bluetooth, for instance. So that, Paul, if you had a Bluetooth earpiece, you would hear the audio description coming from your TV set, but maybe my wife would not. You know, well, um, there's, uh, I mean, there's programs like Spectrum Access that are that that are essentially built on that premise, really. Right, and Apple's latest release of iOS 15.1, they have SharePlay where you can uh, interesting with where you where you can watch a movie with a sighted friend over several thousand miles away, and you have the audio description turned on, and they have it off, and they're both in sync, and you can talk to each other at the same time while they while the movie's playing. And, 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 and Apple will be sharing that API to the likes of Disney and Hulu and Paramount, who have already committed to adding that to their streaming service. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. All right. We are down to the last uh, three and a half minutes of the show. Um, Dan, last words from you. Again, just just <laughs> want to say, again, thank you uh, to Dr. Barry Cronin. Thank you so much for for being there for us three decades ago and and really uh, making a huge difference in all of our lives. Uh, it It's not just the ability to watch a movie it's what and listen to a movie it's what that allows you to do beyond the movie, which is connect 
and integrate back into society. And that puts us on an even playing field at work, uh, at our, you know, at our places of worship, uh, in our neighborhood pubs. It just allows us to be part of the normal community conversation. And thank you for for allowing me to be uh, to have that that ability. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Kim. So um, remember to join us Thursday, the 18th of November at 7.30 Eastern Time on adawardsgala.org or Peacock or ACB Media 6 to, um, to again, have the opportunity to hear the presentation honoring Dr. Barry Cronin and the other award recipients, which is going to be a spectacular event. Carl? I can't, um, I want to echo Dan's sentiment toward uh, Dr. Cronin. I know he says he's Barry, but to me, you'll always be Dr. Cronin. <laughs> and you deserve that respect. And the one thing I want to thank you for is giving me my love of film and television back because I did lose it for a while and you gave me my love back. And I can never thank you enough for that. And, um, uh, tune into the gala, everybody. That's what we're all here for today to uh, join in our excitement of, of what audio description means to all of us. And if we put the pre-show and the post-show together, it starts at what time? Starts at 5. And <laughs> with the, with the 5 Eastern and runs through 10. So it's five hours. Uh, you can immerse yourself uh, in... Uh, and all things audio description, but really the galas from 7.30 uh, to about 8.45 and should just be a spectacular chance for us to celebrate. Good. Yeah. Dr. Barry Cronin, just, sir, I your want, last word. Thank you. I was hoping to give you a chance to thank you all uh, for the way you have honored me. But most of all, thank you all for the, what you have done in terms of creating audio description. Uh, it, it, I don't, this is rare for me to say, but I don't have the words to tell you how thrilled, excited um, that I am to see what you folks have accomplished. And for that, I thank you. And thank you for having me here tonight. You're more than welcome, sir. Remember, everyone, next week there will not be a Tuesday topics. I will be beyond the place where I can get to Internet. Uh, two weeks from now, it is my hope to have Jennifer Flatt um, and my co-producer as my guests to talk about what's happening with ACB Media. In the meantime, remember, audio description is part of full inclusion, and we need to push for it. Good night.